Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right. Welcome back for another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jacob, how are you this evening, man? Man, I am I am doing great. It's uh it's been beautiful weather today. A little bit of rain, but a lot of sunshine. Man, I know, you know, the last episode we we went with Matt and Daniel and, and kind of got started on where they got started in in the outdoors and who kind of helped bring them along and how they got together and you know moved into some business ventures of when they first got started and you know it was it, it was really it, it was a lot of stuff i didn't know and and i've known both guys for quite a while but uh yeah i think i even learned a few things and you know we mentioned about matt taking a few selfies and I had to check out Snapchat, I guess, the, the night after we recorded, or the night of we recorded. And what did I see? I saw a selfie of King Freak himself and Daniel sitting there doing the podcast. I knew he wasn't going to be able to stop himself. Uh, you know. Oh, he's already aired one out before we aired it out? No, I aired out a, I aired out a, a little support message. There you go. That's all right. Look, any any pre-advertisement is wonderful. I ain't say nothing about free now. No, I said pre. <laughs> like free before, pre. Oh, free. Uh, well, you know, uh, it's going to cost you a duck hunt here or there eventually, I'm sure. I think we can probably work that out. But, you know, y'all on the last episode, we, we went through all of that, and we just we ended it kind of just now easing into Freak Outdoor. We did. We did. I know. We So we ended where I remember – I remember going to Matt's tent shop. I had another truck. I had to go get it tinted, of course, and went to the only guy in Macomb I ever go to. But when I came in, I remember seeing a logo laying there on the counter, and I remember asking Matt, what's up with this? And he said, oh, that was something we, we fooled with a couple nights ago, and asked him, could I have it? And he said, yeah. And I remember, I think I actually altered it a little bit from its original state and I was looking back at the original logo actually today and I remember what I did I cut the freak head off of it and I kept the arrow with the freak outdoors that was, that was what I did to the original logo that I had and uh that's kind of where we left off is when freak outdoors pretty much began I think Matt what'd you say it was June 2014 yeah, the initial uh, creation of the logo is June 26th or 24th, uh, 2014. And I didn't really know what I was really doing and getting myself into, you know, to be honest with you. Just uh, got tired of being asked to cut other stuff, so like I create something better. Didn't know it was going to be a life-changing decision. Yeah. But, but Daniel, where were you in the, I guess, the, the June... 2014 era of of the beginning of Freak Outdoors. Were you there from the from the very very beginning? Yeah, I mean we were, we were still really close friends at that time. I was actually working in North Dakota and uh, was on kind of a three week on three week off rotation, and I, I was I was probably about two weeks behind when I came home before uh, I got to actually see the logo and uh, I went by the shop um, visited visit with Matt and uh, saw it in there at that time it was 
actually freak outdoors and um it wasn't all game outdoors in its original state so i saw it asked him what it was he explained to me you know the backlog of it was something he had come up with and and you know we've been cutting decals out and so people were asking about them and kind of got to talking about you know just really low low end i mean what we were thinking about doing with it and and i just told him i said man i said you know how much i love hunting and fishing in the outdoors and we had already had a lot of business ventures in the past that were successful between he and i i said whatever you need from me you just let me know but i'm in all in whatever it takes and that's kind of where we went so what was the vision or if there was really even a vision right then like am i going to take this Am I going to sell these stickers, these logos? Uh, pretty much that's all you had at the time, my understanding. Were you just going to sell them out of the tent shop, or did you see Freak Outdoors going into what what it developed into? Well, originally, um, originally I just wanted to create a logo, and I really didn't know what I was doing, to be honest with you. Um, like Daniel had stated, a lot of people don't know because it was very short-lived, but the original name um, of the the brand and that I uh, accompanied the logo with, you know, my vision of why what to put in the logo is I wanted to cover everything. So, you know, there's the turkey foot, of course, the antlers, the deer, uh, the fishing hooks, and you know, it's all melded together to kind of create a face. I'm, I'm sitting here staring at it right now, and there's many times that I stared at this logo, and I can just see the eyes and the eyelets of the hooks, and just feel like. This joker's just staring at me saying, you know, I'm going to take your life over you, so I don't know it yet. But um, <laughs> the original name was All Game Outdoors, and I can credit Justin. We call him Big Freak, Justin Smith, to uh, when he seen the first ever logo I cut. I don't know if it was on one of the Hart Brothers trucks, Kelby or Caleb Hart. And uh, we just kind of put it on their truck and literally made it. He made it like a mile or two down the road, and Justin seen it and said, "All game outdoors. What is that? That's freaking stupid." <laughs> and uh, I kind of just started thinking. He's like, "Well, what does that even mean?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, you're right. That it does kind of sound up." But um, we had a softball team called Mississippi Freaks at the time, and I just said, "You know, a lot of people. You know, like we talked in the last episode about me being kind of a freak athlete." Um, when I play ball, people just say, man, you're a freak, freak athlete. And that just kind of sticks with me. And I just started thinking, you know, be a freak about the outdoors, you know, and that's kind of where it, kind of where it came from. So I just changed it to freak outdoors in about 15 minutes of its creation, which was the best decision I feel like I ever made. But when I first made it, I just decided, you know, I'd start a little Instagram and give a couple details away. Every time people see it, they'd be like, where can I get one? I was just right by my shop. I'll give you one. And kind of how we got kicked off in the beginning was giving away a bunch of decals for shout outs on Instagram and the rest of it just took off. So no, I never even dreamed. My goal wasn't, let me make this logo and put it on some shirts and hats, you know, and it just kind of, kind of took a life of its own, you know? Well, I know years ago when I first met you guys, uh, I think we won't say it was like maybe the Lincoln County wildlife expo or something. I'd bought a hat and a t-shirt or, or one of the yep uh, on the Delta waterfowl stuff. And I went a couple weeks later down offshore fishing 
And while I was down there, I had the shirt on. And I think at the time, I think I'd cut the sleeves out of it or done did something to it. I adjusted it somehow. And one of the guys was like, man, where'd you get that shirt? He said, I like that logo. He said, be a freak. That's all right. Well, I told him where I'd got it from. And about a month later, I, I ran into him and he had his shirt on. He, I said, you didn't copy me, did you? He said, man, he said, I told you I liked it. So I ran and got one. So I knew then y'all had something that was going to catch on pretty well. I mean, when a guy from South Louisiana sees a shirt and all of a sudden he runs and I think he ordered it, y'all mailed it down to him, but it didn't take him long to get one. Well, Matt, when did, when did you see or how did it develop that I think I can make money off this thing? Um, we'll see with anything I put my hands on, like Daniel said, uh, we've had, you know, our, our business ventures together. A lot of people don't even know this when he says we've had business ventures together. That all started by accident. You know, we was, we was hunting. We come in from hunting. He had this old truck, you know, some would say this raggedy truck, but I thought it was in decent shape when I seen it on 90s model Chevrolet. And he said, Matt, why don't you buy my truck? And I, well, I didn't need your truck, need his truck and have one just like it. And I said, well, what would you say if I told you I could sell it for more than what you want? And he was like, well, you sell us what you want more than what I want. You give me what I want, and we'll split everything at the top. And boy, you wouldn't know it. We probably made $10,000 in the last, in the next month, you know, just me selling other people's junk, you know, that we got our hands on because they couldn't sell it. We were selling it for them. We're some, we're some salesmen. That's what they'll give us credit for. So um, when I started building this Instagram, I started uh, my second shop for Premier Tenant, which was Premier Tenant of Brookhaven. It was right there on Brookway Boulevard. And I can yeah. remember it like it was yesterday. We went on a, a July 4th beach trip, came back. I had to open my shop around July 14th. I had to open my new location on uh, Brookway Boulevard. And we're splitting it with a, uh audio store. And uh, Chance, um, Chance and Garrett, Chance was sitting there at the, at the front desk, Chance Holden. He was sitting there at the front desk of the uh, audio store. We was talking about Freak Outdoors, and they joked with me about it because I, I probably had like two or 300 followers on Instagram. And I remember it like it was yesterday. I look over at Chance. It's July 14th. I said, Chance, I'm about to make this blow up. And he laughed and said, all right. <laughs> and, you know, from that point forward, I just started marketing the heck out of it, you know, and uh, trying to learn the whole Instagram game and found some secrets, you know, that we'll keep under our belt. But, um figuring out how to get this thing growing. And at one point we were growing uh, 3,000 followers a week organically and we'd reached 10,000 followers by October. You know, you're talking a couple months and people were wanting this, wanting that. And, you know, it wasn't very long, you know, people were wanting to buy stuff and I was just providing for for what they wanted and I was putting every dollar back in it. And I mean, the first year was kind of rocky because I didn't know, it was so much so fast, you know, I didn't know how to separate my private life, my personal life, and me be a normal person from all this this Instagram commotion that was just coming on to me and starting the Snapchat in the same year. And uh, I just didn't know it was pulling so much away from me. But, you know, it, just like I was hungry to grow, this business was hungry to grow. So I had to feed it, and it was just consuming me. So um, about early, toward the end of uh, 2014, early 2015, we started moving a bunch of products. I realized, hey, we got something here. So just taking what people said, you know, Jeremy, I'm sure you told me recently, 
you want that wax canvas seven panel hat that I can't give you because it's not out there. But you know what, buddy, when they come out, I know there's a demand for it and I know I can make some money off of it. So just taking into consideration what people want, what they're telling me they want, and just giving the public what they want. Well, Matt, let me ask you this. When you first started, you're talking about the growing pains and learning how to separate things. How bad were the growing pains on when the Instagram and the Snapchat and everything blew up? Were y'all able to keep up with the demand, or was that a whole nightmare all on its own? Um, well, a lot of people, you know, they, they see us. They see what we want them to see. And that's what, you know, the glory of this, this, uh, this podcast is, you know, hopefully people understand you know, how we got where we're at. A lot of things we don't know. Um, and people want to know, so, I mean, it's time to tell the story. But um, for, the whole, for like a whole year, um, and Daniel will tell you this, you know, they wanted to be as part, much of a part of it as, as I would allow them. Like he said, you know, uh, whatever you want, I'm all in. And Daniel was there day one. He said, what are you going to do with this? And I said, I don't even know yet. And he said, whatever you want, I'm there. You know, Justin, he was there. You know, we were all cutting decals at 3 o'clock in the morning doing whatever. And it got to a point after the first few shows, you know, where we, we blew some money uh, because we didn't know what we were doing. So I was like, I don't even know what this is. And I kind of, I kind of shut some people out. You know, Daniel will tell you that I shut them out. And it got to a point to where we were, you know, them not coming at me, but saying, Hey, look, man, you can't do it all. And I thought I was Superman and I thought I could do everything. I thought I could handle everything. I thought I could package every order, make every hat, cut every detail myself because it's not because I was selfish, but because I didn't know what this was. I didn't want to lose, you know, it's like you're, you're, you, y'all have, y'all both have children. And the way I felt when I first started was, you know, you got this child and you want to make sure you get to dress your child the way you want to. You know, you don't want somebody coming in and saying, dress your child this way. You know, I'm going to take them to school today. So, I mean, I was really controlling and, you know, I shut a lot of people out in the very beginning. And uh, I'm very fortunate, you know, that, that they all stuck with me through, you know, my selfishness, I guess I feel and I'll be the first to admit. So, well, man, you know, I want to, I want to. I want to slow you up just a second. Whenever, whenever you had the logo and you started kind of realizing what what was happening with it, was it just the logo that was doing that and building, you know, your your social media base, or was it the time that you you were transferring it to apparel, or was it just the logo itself? When we first started, we'd. Uh... We didn't have like we just we just had some, a few shirts. I didn't make my first hat till like 2015, okay. and my little promotions on Instagram that I was doing, you know, I was just putting that logo out there. Just if you like this logo, follow, you know, and um, people just you know thought it was a good logo and wanted a decal, and and then I was also posting pictures of people, you know, just for the big buck and have anything to do with freak outdoors. It was just an outdoors page, you know, and. Um, People, it was growing a outdoors page and just reaching that kid and people reach out to me wanting to be posted on the page and stuff like that was just, it's kind of overwhelming at times because people, I'd post something and then somebody would be like, oh, you don't want to post mine? And I'm like, well, you know, I just, I had to get to a point to where I had to be, make a decision on what I was actually going to post. And then, then eventually later on down the road came the decision to, turn the page straight from posting 
anything and everybody to posting only if it has freak outdoors in it. So, I mean, and that was the switch we made to be from a, from just a page to a brand. And I mean, this thing, this thing took several different avenues, you know, and it, it consumed me. <laughs> well, how did you realize that you had a brand or, or at what point did you realize I've got a brand here more than just a logo or is that kind of just a seamless transition or did you realize, or is there a turning point saying, look, I've got a brand here. I don't have just a logo that represents Freak Outdoors. I've got a brand here that is Freak Outdoors. Um, I believe that one of the most humbling things that kind of like made me believe that or, or think that, and I can remember, I can tell you exactly the shirt it was. It was a blue Freak Outdoors shirt, just a logo on the front, and, you know, one of the first ones they came out with. The day I walk into Walmart and pass somebody and say, I like that shirt you got on. They have no clue who I am. I knew they were wearing it just because of the brand. And uh, not for me or not because they thought something I'd done was cool or whatever. But it wasn't long. It wasn't long, so I realized, and I had to do a lot of research on other brands, um, how to separate it. But um, I felt like I, I always felt like I had a brand. But I didn't know if we were just trying to, film some stuff to where the direction we're going now but um or if i could actually sell clothing well it is definitely taken off that's for sure i mean from where you started like you say in your in your humblest beginnings in a carport and garage and and moving forward with it i mean you know we we saw you this past weekend at the show and you know i'm not I don't think I'm speaking too far out of turn, but I mean, y'all setup is elaborate. I mean, it, it looks very professional. It's eye catching. I mean, it just pops out there at you. Not only everything that y'all have and the way you have it set up, but you've got the music playing. You've got three or four guys sitting there working and they're constantly talking to somebody and answering questions, whether it's a, a, a man, a lady, a child, you know, I think several times I saw y'all take a picture or two with somebody, you know I mean? Y'all have moved this into the outdoor industry to where it's not only a brand, but I mean, you have people, like you say, they're following you on the social media sites, but I mean, they follow you at these events. They're coming to hunt you down. They're looking for you guys. They want to see you guys. You know I mean? Y'all, in my opinion, y'all have moved up, you know, into the big leagues. Well, I can say this. It wasn't always like that, was it, Matt? <laughs> nah, uh, it wasn't. It wasn't always like that, man. And then with everything like that comes, you know, the haters and you know, Dan, Daniel's been a good attribute for uh, telling people how it is. I'll tell you that. But um, he handled this thing recently, you know, like a champ, and that's something I can credit him to. Is is always being that guy I've told people several times and and he can kind of touch on our one of our first shows that we did together it was actually the first step out of the comfort zone was World Gear Expo in 2015 nobody knew who we were you know we didn't know how to do things and, and uh, Daniel just took it took it with stride you know he didn't know either he just walked in there and we, we got there early and set up early and we were dog tired and I told him after that show I said you're going to be my number two guy um, and he probably remember that conversation in the truck on the way back and 
when I with that I told him when it comes to make a decision, because they need to talk. So when it comes to a decision and somebody says, you know, I need to I need you to do this or that, I'm gonna pass it off to you, Daniel, because Daniel's got he's got that grit. He can just tell somebody no or I tell him how it is, and that's kind of what his job is. So you see him handle all my, my grunt work a lot, some stuff I don't want to be mean about. Yeah, Matt, uh, tell us a uh, – go ahead, Daniel. I was just going to say, you know, it, that time in my life was a lucky time because to, the first show we did outside of – we did they did, Justin and Matt did the Jackson Expo the year before in a uh, very – I guess looking at it compared to our setup now, I would say very rookie style. And uh, Matt and I threw some talks over that, that year leading up to the summer of 15, talked about what we had to do. And and he set a minimum show schedule for that, that first summer. And I actually transitioned from working in North Dakota to taking a job in Madison, the current job I have now, and I had about a three-week window where I didn't have a, a, a job to go to, and I can still remember we were building cabinets in Jonathan's shop, staining those cabinets ourselves by hand, and they're probably dang near we, we were puffing more fumes than I would want to even know what was le- uh, what we should have been doing as far as health standards go, trying to get this stuff ready. And, uh, in a crunch time, cause like it, like Matt said, it was such a fast learning curve for us. Um, that first year, it just came on so strong. And then that first expo in Birmingham was probably the turning point for, for he and I, as far as seeing, if you've never been to the world expo, world deer expo in Birmingham, Alabama, and you're an outdoor enthusiast, I encourage you to go one time in your life. Outside of NWTF in Nashville, it is, in my opinion, the second most just extensive outdoor product show as far as brands, products, displays that you can ever experience. Um, There's probably roughly 500 plus vendors, and they put over 70,000 people through the doors in three days. Wow. Wow. uh, We got there. And we left on a Friday. That, that show starts, it's just like most shows, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, usually starts mid-afternoon on Friday. And Matt and I loaded up in the, the Smurf Mobile, his his old blue truck that he had, his blue Z, and hooked up to the trailer Friday morning. We left out about daylight, which may be the last time we ever left at daylight for a show in our history. <laughs> That's the last show we ever set up we ever left on a Thursday. I mean, uh, a Friday. We got there probably two hours before the show started. Our booth at the time was downstairs because it was all we could get. It was a single booth, a 10 by 10. We get there and we're waiting on our stuff. Come to find out they've delivered all of our booth material to the wrong booth. It was upstairs in this convention hall. So we had to go find our all of our gear, get it rolled downstairs, get set up, and... uh and, and we, you know, we were walking around, looking around. We probably spent more time that year looking at other booths, rotating in and out, looking at other booths, what was working for people, and using that as our biggest learning experience of what we were doing wrong, what other people were doing that was working, 
and using that to never make those same mistakes again. Um, first off being no offense to Mr. Eddie Salter. He's a great guy, but never set up next to Eddie Salter and two local turkey call makers triangulated around your booth. You will not be able to talk to a customer all day without a turkey call going off. Let me guess. When the first one sounded, the other two just had the sound to try to outdo him. Oh, yeah. They was trying to call in the same turkey, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so it sounded a lot like the Homewood City National Forest on opening morning? Amen. 100%. <laughs> you know, but we grew so much that weekend. We were dog tired. You know, people see how much fun we have after shows now, going to Top Golf, hanging out with different people we associate with. That, that that show, we were so beat down. It was straight to bed, back up the next morning. But because one thing we try to pride ourselves on is we're always the first people. We're, we're never late for our booth, and we're always the last booth to shut down at the end of the day. And we did that show, and we loaded up that Sunday afternoon coming back. I can't remember if we lost money, but if we didn't, we didn't make any money. We barely broke even if we did. And we were coming home, driving all night back from Birmingham, back to Macomb. And anybody that's ever been with Matt on the road knows that he refuses to drive. So I was chauffeuring this rig back, and we, we had a conversation the whole way back, like he said, about. I don't think man, we listen to any music. Man, we've got so, I mean, it was literally a, a five-hour brainstorm session of, I saw this while we were there. Did you see this? We've got to make these changes. And this is with another show coming up within a few weeks. And and we've got to get this done, this done, and this done now. Or else we're going to miss out on an opportunity and out on money and out on a, a chance to grow this even more. And that whole first show season was just a blur. That, that 15 summer, even when I started my, my new job, you know, I, I, they knew and, and talked, Matt talking about his enlightening moment. I started this new job a year later in Jackson. I get up there and it was probably two, three weeks into me working there. And I wore a shirt that, uh, hat, I wore a hat up there that, into the office one day and somebody saw it and said, man, there's some guys around my neighborhood that wear that. And I said, well, this is a buddy of mine. It's a brand, you know, that we're all trying to push and support. And he said, man, I didn't have no clue. That those guys that, that make this from Mississippi, that's y'all. And I said, yeah, that's, that's one of my best friends. You know, he, he started this a year ago and we're promoting it, you know. So that was kind of my, I guess, light bulb moment that, hey, it's getting out there and people are buying it and don't even know who we are or where we're from. Well, what, at what point, I rem I went to the, to the Jackson Expo and I guess that was y'all's first one to ever go to. How long was it? And what did you learn, I guess, from that Jackson Expo going into the Birmingham? What did y'all learn, and what did y'all take that that made it better in your mind of, hey, I'm going to this Birmingham Expo. Here's the changes I'm going to make to make it bigger and better. And obviously, here, what you just told there, you learned stuff out of Birmingham that, hey, I got to do this different. But from what I remember in Jackson, it seemed like there was a table you know, y'all didn't have the shelves, I don't think, or if you did, it was minimal, but you had, you know, T-shirts stacked up that I can remember. What did you learn just that one, that first, I guess that was your first show in Jackson. What what was valuable that sticks in your mind today that came out of that? Well, the 
the number one thing, when you, when you go all the way back to our very first show, you got to think I created this logo June 26th. Created the Instagram like July 4th. And then we're doing a show July 31st, you know, so we got like three weeks to prepare. And the first thing that I can remember that I looked back and said, we got to, we got to change that. Was our very first shirt that Jake was referring to with the hashtag be a freak across the front. And we got so many looks for that shirt from, you know, elderly to, you know, because the glory, the best thing about my brand was also the worst thing about my brand in the beginning. The word freak don't belong in the outdoor industry. And it's a pattern interrupter. So when you see it, that's why you never forget it, because it doesn't belong. And it took a little while for people to say, you know, all right, this, this isn't a bad thing. They're not, they're not coming off the wrong way. And, um, once people learned it was, it was, you know, awesome. But the first thing we ever learned, that was a terrible shirt idea. I might bring it back because I can get away with it now. But the most valuable thing that I think we learned, and Daniel could probably say, is after that first year, we had rolling cabinets. Wheels <laughs> on everything. Those, those were a life changer. Oh, that was I will the biggest agree. thing. <laughs> we're, we're five years in, and there's still a couple of those original cabinets that only have pivoting wheels on one end. That's uh-huh. <laughs> That's Jonathan McCaskill for you right Those probably work going really well going downhill, don't they? Oh, downhill, it's a lifesaver. It's safety. But as far as, like, trying to maneuver in and out of a, uh, you know, boost, a boost. Stuff, like, you, you got to make a 15-point turn just to move it over two foot. There are big, there are biggest cabinets. There are eight-foot cabinets. Eight-foot long. Guys, I'm going to guess, y'all said that, uh, you know, you learned a lot at the first show or the second show. I'm going to guess the learning process is still ongoing. You know, I mean, I've been in business for myself a while, and I still learn new tricks all the time that, okay, I need to try that. I need to look at doing that. And sometimes we have to go back to something, you know, we backtrack. And so, you know, you know, the old way we did it worked better. But I have a question on. When y'all first started show, going to shows, were y'all one of the only vendors that had a logo selling merchandise the same way y'all were? Because, you know, a lot of these outdoor shows, they're selling a hunting product, something that you have to have to, you know, hopefully make you be able to be more successful in what you're doing. You know, they're, they're selling a grunt call or a duck call or a turkey call or, or yeah. something that goes with that. Were y'all one of the only apparel and logo vendors, I guess you could say? No, there was, uh, there's like a generation of things. Um, for as long as we've been alive, you know, and everybody's been alive, there's always been brands out there. Um, and they're doing things the same way. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're just taking technology changes and doing it, you know, and, and there was what I usually call, you know, like the big three, which was uh, three of us that first started in the beginning. And I don't mind mentioning, you know, Swamp Assassin, Backroads Apparel, and us. You know, we all started around that, you know, within a year of each other. And kind of like the pioneers of the industry as far as social media, social media built. So, I mean, we were primarily built off of social media. You know, Instagram comes out and what you know, got starts getting traction in about 2012. Facebook's, you know, 2007 around there, you know, but there's nothing involved. But 
Instagram game is really what changed it, and the Snapchat releases and comes out in about 2014. So, I mean, all this technology is just coming together around that same year, 2013-14 era, and we're realizing, you know, we can grow followers, which we're building a customer base. We can put our products out to our customer base, and we can link it to a website. That's the only thing we did different outside of other people that have brands, you know, because most of your brands weren't built by, you know, 24, 23-year-old kids, you know, so they were older people that had money to invest in product and tackle store furnitures. So, I mean, there was a few of us, you know, that, that were doing it, and then every year, you know, just like we seen what somebody else was doing, and we were like, we can do that too somebody else seen what we were doing and they thought they could do it too you know we had some competition come along over the over the years and um i feel like i feel like and i've always said this but i've had the best crew surrounding me since day one we are the only brand out there that does what we do that had the same people that i started with since day one so i mean i've got the best guys surrounding me to help build this thing and um i feel like i credit a lot of that to to our personalities and but no, we weren't the only ones doing it. You know, you weren't reinventing the wheel. You were just going down the same paths that were always there. Well, Matt, back in 2015, whenever I guess you could say everything kind of started started getting getting bigger for you, did you? I know you've been a, a pretty much a salesman in some type all your life, but did you find the way of promoting and selling Freak Outdoors? Did it? Did it fit your style of promoting and selling, or did you have to kind of change your ways of, of how you were, you know, pushing your tent business, selling cars, mowing lawns, like we mentioned last last podcast? Did you have to change your tactics up or, or anything like that, you feel like? No, um, not really. I mean, I feel like selling is selling, but the number one aspect in selling is being able to talk to people. And, you know, you just like with the tent business, you know, I just kind of feel, feel somebody out, see which direction they're leaning and stuff. But no, I mean, just we had a product that was popular with the kids. And, and to be honest with you, the biggest thing that I can credit me and my guys that we've all come to the same mentality of is if I talk to that person, I can sell that person a hat. So, I mean, we have the audience that wants to come buy a hat. They're coming in there, coming to buy a hat and a shirt or online um, because they see it. But there's also those people that'll walk by, they'll see it, but they don't know that they want it until we talk to them. So, I mean, that's, that's the only thing right there is just having to stop somebody that wasn't coming to you. You know, with the tent business, we had people coming in there. They wanted our product. So that's the only thing I really had to change in my sales tactics and stuff like that was doing that but the biggest curveball that i ever had in the industry has been finding where to get my hats where to become a dealer from my overseas stuff so i mean that's a whole list of stuff that that has been a curveball since day one you know every day i'm learning something new. i learned something new today building this media kit i was telling y'all about earlier so i would I mean, say every day something new i would say one of the, probably the best sales related conversations we ever had was that night coming back from Birmingham and we discussed wanting that logo and what it stood for 
to be like what you and I think of when you see the Browning logo. When you Stand see, you know, when you think of Browning, as far as in shotguns, you think of quality, you think of a certain standard, you think of dependability, you think of a certain thing. Just like when you see the big two or three, you know, the real tree, the Primos, the Mossy Oaks, when you see that logo or hear that name, it means something that nobody even has to ask about the product as far as if it's, you know, good quality or whatever. You know, is it a functioning shotgun like Beretta or Benelli? So we wanted Freak Outdoors to be one of those things that when people saw that logo, they knew it stood for, one, us as our character and how we were as, as people and how we wanted to be viewed, but then also the product that we were selling and that it's, that it had a certain standard about it. You know, I know that one of the big changes we made after that first show was just the quality in our shirts. We used to sell a lot of Gildan, um, which was a, a lower, a lower quality shirt than what we sell now with the comfort colors. And people were spending more money to buy this exact same shirt on a better quality. And so we thought trying to sell a, a product at a lower price point, people would buy it more. They were willing more to spend the more money for the exact same shirt on the better quality, you know, garment. So, you know, it was recognizing those things and realizing that we need to make these changes if we're going to make this, this symbol and this brand mean something to where when people start spreading the word about it, it gets that same kind of representation, that stigma about it. And, uh, and like Matt said, when you go to these shows, there's so many people that come in there now. But it wasn't like that back in the beginning. They come in there looking for us now, a large majority of our customers. But back then, if we wouldn't have been the type of people that we are as far as wanting to approach people and believing in what we had and trying to sell them on it and getting out in those aisles, you see a lot of these people at these at these shows and these booths, they're not out there. They're, they're sitting behind their, their, their desk, you know, and, and, and Dustin, uh, as good a salesman as I am, Dustin's probably the most bold in his approach tactics. That man will get out there and yell up and down the aisle, hats and t-shirts, and hand a business card to literally, if there's a family of five, he's handing them six. <laughs> he's he's in your face, whereas me, I'm as soon as I get your attention, I can almost talk fast enough where you bought the shirt and don't even realize that you even wanted it or bought it. Um, you know, everybody's got a niche, uh, you know, that, that works for them, but our whole crew, we, when we get the whole crew together, it's something to see. I mean, especially in a working, you know, busy environment. Um, I wish you guys could have seen us in Birmingham a couple weeks ago. It was, it was just, that was what it's taken five years to build to that. And, and that's what Matt's talking about with that sales team and, and the guys that we've kept, but because we've kept the same guys, that's also helped our, you know, our brand keeps some respect about it. Well, let's, let's play with that just a second. Y'all have kept the same five guys. You've kept the same crew. You've done everything together. I know I'm pretty sure in the first episode we talked about it. You know, a lot of folks think y'all are making a, you know, making out like bandits on this. You're just making a killing and you know, you, you don't even know where to put your money. I mean, I, I think I've even offered to help tote the briefcase a couple of times if y'all needed it. But the first couple of years, 
y'all didn't take anything out. You, you, you reinvested your money back into the brand to help build it, to buy more merchandise, to upgrade, to better what you were doing and how you were doing it. How do, to me, that speaks volumes about the guys involved. How do you have guys that work that hard take that much time out of what they're normally doing to sit there and dedicate themselves to your brand, to building that without getting a paycheck. Cause I mean, you know, in this, in this day and age, you know, everybody, you know, a lot of folks are me, me, me and may not, you know, have to have it, but they may need that money. I mean, if I'm going to go yeah. spend and work a whole weekend, I usually like to have something in return. So how did you yeah, get them to buy in that hard? You know, that, that's a, that says a lot right there. I think a lot of it has to do with, and, and Daniel can speak on it if he wants to, but a lot of it has to do with, I guess, I don't like to call myself a leader, but I mean, I am the, you know, I was the only person. It's my decision. So um, it has to do with the type of leader I am. Um, I'm not out to just help myself. And I think I made that apparent in the very beginning because I had my tent business and I knew that I knew what it took from building my tent business from, you know, with, you know, me and Jonathan started together and I say me a lot, but I spent some time by myself, but knowing that what it took to build that tent business from $250 initial investment to get it to where it is today with two full-time employees and, and whatever. But, um, I knew what it took to get there. So I knew that if I took money from it, it was going to strangle it. I knew that I'm not a millionaire. So, I mean, I don't have a ton of money to invest in something. So, you know, I took my 600 bucks and I put it, put it where it needed to be and, and started building it. But I had another job. You know, a lot of people that followed me from the beginning, uh, the Snapchat days really, you know, they seen every, every day of my life. You know, there's not a day that's been by since 2014. It's crazy to even consider. But I haven't put my personal life out there for the last five years. And the people have seen that, that open door, that transparency of what we're doing, and they know how often I work. They know that I work from 9 to 5 at the tent shop, and then I work from 5 to, you know, 2 or 3 in the morning, you know, at my house or my mom's or wherever I was or at my tent shop, you know, flipping the switch to freak outdoors, you know. So, I mean, people knew, saw my constant grind. But in the beginning, a lot of it, a lot of me, you know, pushing people aside a little bit was I have a, I have a problem with asking people for something for nothing. So even though I didn't, wouldn't ask them for it, they were volunteering it. And I think it has a lot to do with I wasn't out putting money in my pocket, you know, making all this cash. So they saw the vision that I saw. They saw that, well, Matt's not making money either. So, you know, why should we? So this guy's not going to pay us. He's not going to pay himself. So I guess I have a little bit to do with it, but at the same time, being there in the beginning, busting their butts and, and building something and seeing the rapid growth and seeing where it could be and having the same end goal. So, I mean, we, we had, you know, a couple of conversations where we sat down, me, Justin, and uh, Daniel, and called it our annual meeting. But we sat down and, you know, kind of outlined things we wanted to do in the year and where we wanted to end up. And, you know, a lot of people think that, think that we're way, way, way ahead of, you know, where we started and stuff like this and we've come a long way. But if you ask me and Daniel, we'll tell you we're so far behind. You know, we we wanted to 
be way further ahead than we are now. But are we disappointed? No, because we've come a long ways. So, I mean, it's taken us a lot, a little bit longer to get there than, than a lot of people actually can uh, fathom. When I say that, you're going to be probably sitting back now thinking, wow, y'all come so far. I thought you were way far ahead, but we saw it. We're behind. So, um, they see the vision and they know that, you know, now that we've gone from seeing those stepping stones of being nothing, making $2 on our first show, losing money on the second show, and then coming along and then I went full time in 2017 and then 2018 hired a full time secretary and they know that, you know, Daniel knows he's next man up. So, I mean, it, it's going to come and they know that this hard work, you know, well, but, you know, that that speaks not only of leadership, but to me, Matt, that speaks of the integrity and the quality of the guys that you have and the friendship and bond that y'all have. Because if you don't have those things, five guys don't stay together not making money. I mean, that's yeah, just well, we, that that, that you know, speaks volumes to me. We, yeah. we had some conversations early on and it wasn't being rude or trying to be disrespectful to anybody in our friends group Matt pretty much opened it up and and the truth of the matter is when it first started oh everybody wanted to be a part of it and everybody had a role in it at some point but Matt just I mean he, he was open about it he said you know if you want to be there when it's big you need to be there now like if, you, if you'll stay the course with me as it comes along I will I will do what I can to show my appreciation for you you know everybody wants to show up after all the hard work's done in a lot of a lot of ways and uh and we just told everybody you know like if you believe in this and you're willing to fight the fight when it when it does blow up i want you there that's what he said if if, if you want to be there i want you there you will show me between now and whenever that happens and at that time we did i mean in 2014 and 15 we didn't know if it was going to be 18, 19, or 2030. But if you want to be there, we want you there. And you'll show us between now and whenever that is what your commitment level is. And, you know, we've all done what we could within our means. You know, like like Matt said, you know, for a long time, he still worked at tent shop. A lot of people don't believe it. I still work a full-time job probably put in 50 to 60 hours a week. I travel almost 70,000 miles a year driving outside of my personal miles. I've done that ever since almost dead even with the Birmingham show in 2015. I started the week after that show um, with the current job I've got. You know, Justin with, with working pipeline and oil field, Dustin doing the same thing. Um, when I met Trent through hunting and as he came along, helping out through the summers while he was out of school. And even when he went into Southern last year, trying to do what he can through the summer, just the same way with this summer, you know, in any way that people could help. And and Matt's been appreciative of and respectful of, I understand that I'm not paying you, so I can't make you be somewhere. I can't ask you to do something that's taking money away from your life. And he's always shown appreciation for the sacrifices that people have made giving up their weekends, giving up their nights. And he recognizes what people do given their situations without making money. And over the time, even without monetary, he's done things as we've 
as we've received product from sponsors or or gotten free items at shows to try to reciprocate that um, in any way possible. I mean, I don't know that anybody that's ever worked a, a show or or helped out has ever had to pay for anything that they've asked for or tried to get. If they said they wanted a hat and were willing to pay for it, he would just give it to you. You know, that was his way of being able to pay you. I don't have money to pay you, but you helped me cut decals tonight, pick you out a couple shirts and a hat, you know, or you came and helped me load the trailer, get this. You know, I wish I could give you money and one day I hope I can, but this is what I can do for now, you know, and it, like y'all said, it takes a lot of faith in something to do that. And being there for five years and seeing the growth and progression, it helps you keep that faith. Um, had we, had we struggled more than we already have and had we regressed? Yeah, we probably would have lost some people along the way. Um, you know, there was a lot of negative people that in, in the beginning that have came back around to it now. And, and, and I'm sure we've lost some people along the way that are jealous or, or, or that we rubbed the wrong way, you know, by being successful. You know, you, you really find out all the time when you're successful, um, who your friends are, your real friends are, you know, you say, but, uh, it's, it's been a heck of a ride. Um, I can't thank those guys enough because like I said, back in the beginning, I don't know how many summer shows Matt and I haven't worked together, but there ain't, there isn't very many that the both, the two of us haven't been there. He's made every show. Life has taken me away from a few of them. But almost all the summer shows, we've been at, at every one of them together. And uh, I don't have the luxury like I used to to be there on those weeknights getting the trailer ready and stuff. But there's other people that have stepped up and taken that role. Um, there's been several times, too, when you talk about, like, not paying somebody. It's even to this day, you know. Um, I'll be I'll go load the trailer, like he said, not being able to load the trailer or, like, carry in a 15 boxes of freaking t-shirts up these stairs. I mean, I don't have many friends that want to come visit me just because they don't want to walk up the stairs one time, but um, people will say, why didn't you call me? And I say, oh, man, I just, I'm so used to, you know, if it needs to be done, just do it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go hassle somebody else or inconvenience anybody else to kind of benefit me, and that's the kind of person I am. So, they, uh, I've just had a very, very good group of guys and like Daniel said there's been people there in the beginning and I don't want to say that they're not with us anymore because they didn't contribute but you know life happens and you know people get new jobs move out of town get married have kids you know and I get it you know that's your life that's the path you're going to go but you know this is the one the track that I'm on and I feel like God wants me to be on and it's full steam ahead you know get on the train if you're coming but if you ain't I'm not stopping I'm not slowing down you're waiting on me you're walking backwards that's kind of where we where we were with, with getting people to help in the beginning. I wasn't begging nobody, but if you wanted to be a part of it, I was going to be an open book. And Daniel, I'll tell you, I've always been transparent since day one. This is where I'm trying to go. If I get there by God, if we make it, you're going to be there too. Well, I know we talked about it a little bit in the first episode. You know, when I first started business, I was young. I didn't have a whole lot. You know, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. I could have stayed with you the course of it at that time. But like you say, life happens. Now I'm married with three children, have multiple things going on. I would not be able to help you at this time. So, you know, saying, you know, some people had to, they couldn't stay the course. 
because they had life move in. I mean, that, that, that does happen. I mean, like I say, it, it happened to me. I don't know if at this point, if I decided to jump off in something brand new, if I would take the risk I would have took back then. So, I mean, going back, you said you started at 23, 24, you, you were in a position where you could jump out and take that risk. Cause I know over the years I've had a lot of sleepless nights where I wondered, you know, how am I going to pay that bill? I mean, I've, I've got a $10,000 bill coming up, you know, next month. Do I have it put back? Is this going to work? Is this not going to work? You know, there, there's a lot of times you wake up at one thirty in the morning doing math or pulling out a piece of paper and a notepad, trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to make, how am I going to get this done? So, you know, I mean, the, the five guys for everybody to be able to stay as tight as y'all are to me, that's phenomenal. I mean, that that's, and I know y'all have a good time doing it. I mean, anybody that sees you at a show knows or can see that you're having a good time. Y'all like hanging out with each other. You, you're proud of your product. You, you, you're proud that people like your product, which is a wonderful help. You know, I mean, if you're selling something that you don't believe in, people can tell, but it's clear that y'all can, you know, y'all, y'all are firm believers in it and you know where you're going with it. You know where you've been. You know the struggles you've been through, and you know where you're headed, or you you've got a good direction of where you want to go. You know you've got that goal. You know where that goal's at, and then I'm sure you guys are are, are like I am. Once I reach that goal, I'm setting a new goal. Right. I would say probably the two easiest things is that one we've always accepted that this is Matt's. Matt started this. We either support the way he wants it to go or you step away. And we were all friends before this brand and this business venture started. That helps a lot that our friendship was built before this and not on this. I would say that this brand has, in a lot of ways, strengthened a lot of our friendships. And see, it don't always work that way. A lot of times it'll tear friendships apart. You are very, very right. But I think, like, like Matt, like, like I said, with knowing that, hey, this is Matt's baby, so to say. It's his vision. We don't have any skin in the game, so to say. So we, I mean, we really lose nothing if we back out. If, if Matt was to decide to go a different direction tomorrow, and I didn't agree with it, and I back out. I'm not out anything. So, if I believe in him and I believe in where he's going and the direction he's going, it's easy for me to continue to support him. And like he said earlier in the, in the broadcast, it wasn't as open in the beginning because he had to build that trust. Even with me and him having several business ventures in the past that were successful, had to build that trust to let other people in take on other roles and it took some conversations like he talks about I, I do come across harsh a lot of times especially in a sense of where when I feel like people are trying to to use us or, or, or get over on us so to say and uh, and a lot of times I'm not necessarily the most nice when I try to be diplomatic I'm really blunt and um, it's taken me sitting down with him sometimes and being being pretty harsh with him and saying well dude if you're not willing to let anybody help, you might as well draw a line in the sand right here and say this is as far as it's ever going to go because you've done the most that one man can do. And if you're not willing to allow somebody else to help you, then it's not going to go any further. There's only so many hours in a day and there's only so much you can do. He has definitely told me that. Guys, I don't know about y'all, but 
I'm thinking that that right there is a pretty good stopping spot. I think yeah, we ought to. I know, I know personally myself. I know, I know a lot more that we're going to go into, and obviously we're not going to get into it today. But these guys have they not only like we said in the first podcast hunt in Mississippi, they branched out in other states, and I know some pretty good some pretty good things they they're going to lead us into. As when they got freak outdoors going, where that's led them into the, the hunting world, not just the, the merchandise and the selling and building the brand, but I know it's led them to some, to some other avenues in the hunting world. And I think that's kind of what we want to lead into, Jake. What do you think? I agree. I agree. I mean, that's what I was saying. That right there is a good stopping spot. And I think that, uh, y'all come in, you tune into the next one and you'll find out where freaks headed. You, you've heard his history. You've heard the struggle of how they've gotten here. You know where they're at to this point. Y'all come back, tune in with us, and see where they're headed next. We thank all of you for listening to this episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Jacob and Jeremy, God bless. Thank y'all. Southern air, Lord, to make you feel alright. I got the windows down, I got the radio on.